right, hey everybody. Welcome back to Axe's Pod. Um, oh man, what a week. What a week, and I'm, we're so glad to be here with you. Um, so I'm Gina. Um, as always, I've got Anne with me. Hi. Hey, Anne. Hey. Here. Hey, buddy. I'm here. And we've got Cezanne here as well. Cezanne. Hi. Hello. I'm here too. She's here as well. Um, so I'm actually going to hand over the description duties to either Anne or Cezanne because they are very passionate about this topic and it, it was their idea and I think they have a better handle on it than I do. But um, what was it? I'm going to say it was Cezanne's idea, but I just so happened to have also done a lot of research in the past on this. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, well, that works out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I demand credit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I'm going to claw it away from you. All right. That's well, I mean, look, I'll put it in the footnotes when I... As always, when I put it on Facebook and I include all the sources we used, because our fans demand it. Yeah, um, I will. I will credit Cezanne with the idea. See that you do. See that you do. Um, and so uh, I want to start off with a question: What condition is your condition in? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But the question is. There was something that happened in contemporary news, which is like what is usually our inspiration every week, something that is outrageous, which is in abundance. Outrageousness is in abundance lately, Uh, but it but it sparked a little fire that turned into a flame. Um, What was that? What was a piece of news that that led to our topic today? Yeah. Is on the New York, you're talking about the New York Times article, right? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Yes, the New York Times uh, um, article was regarding um, an incident at the World Health Assembly, which is a gathering of which, yeah, health yeah. officials from around the world. Where and they, oh, go ahead. Uh, I I just wanted to say, and. Doctor Who cosplayers. Oh yes, exactly. <laughs> no, people don't talk about that enough. Yeah. It's it's an interesting. It's, it's an an, interesting yeah, it is an interesting crossover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so basically, Plucky Ecuador. Um, well, let, can I just say the yeah. title of the article real quick? Oh yeah, please to, please cite. Let's cite our source. Op- opposition to breastfeeding resolution by U.S. Stuns world health officials. It was stunning. <laughs> right. No, so anyway, Ecuador basically proposed a, you know, fairly straightforward resolution that I think everyone thought would go over well since it is based on, you know, four decades of science saying that, you know, um, breastfeeding is, um, you know, when possible, obviously, is the best. Uh, most efficient, most affordable, and healthiest way to feed babies, human babies. Um, So uh, the resolution would basically just recognize that that decades of research and state that breastfeeding is the healthiest option for babies. And um, the U.S. promptly threatened retribution on Mm -hmm. trade and military um, uh, unless they... uh, basically dropped the resolution 
completely, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, you're right. That's, yeah. Did they give a reason for that? What, what? Because what? Uh, they, uh, they had an issue with the, the wording of it because um, basically, the, I don't, again, I don't think we'll be surprised that the U.S. position aligns with the infant formula manufacturers. Um, so uh, what, the way that the U.S. kind of posed their opposition was that they didn't want, like a spokesperson from the U.S. said that they didn't want... Um, Oh, man, where is it? They said it placed unnecessary hurdles for mothers seeking to provide nutrition for their infants. So um, as though somehow mothers who aren't able to breastfeed don't realize that uh, formula is a thing or that doctors who are, you know, involved in the lives of babies who can't be breastfed don't realize that formula is a thing. So be a hurdle well uh, yeah uh, so is it is it in the same way that you know like um tobacco companies think that they're it's going too far to put like a skull and crossbones on Mm -hmm. the package Mm -hmm. is it in that vein where it's not as if they're denying that breast is best but they feel that the guidelines are too harsh or yeah i i think it just i think um you know there there have been resolutions in the past that basically you know they're not um binding in any way but it's basically like we all agree that it's not a great idea to um hound new mothers and give them formula and so i'm not exactly sure you know why the u.s felt they needed to to take this strong of a stance, um, right? Especially since the formula industry is what like a seventy billion dollar industry That's right. or something like that. That's yeah. right. So it's not yep. like they're hurting, but uh, but I think you know they have sort of, especially in um, well in Western countries, formula use has kind of it's plateaued a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. despite growing population because people are sort of turning back toward breastfeeding. And I guess yeah. wh- what one thing that I would like to make just so, so, so crystal clear, because if anybody has ever been in a Facebook mom's group, you know that as soon as you bring up breastfeeding versus formula feeding, it is going to turn into a poop show. <laughs> um, it's going to get ugly um, so, I mean, you know, I think, I think I can safely say that the position of the pod yeah. is that fed yes. is best. Fed um, is best. That's not what we're talking about. We're not we're talking not about formula shaming. We're not advocating one or the other. And, you know, might I add, personally, I was able to strictly breastfeed my firstborn, um, due to health reasons, chemotherapy drugs to be exact I was unable to breastfeed at all my second because he would have been eating poison right so you know what I mean like I'm just saying like we are we are well aware of the myriad of reasons I've been on both sides well everybody and also we recognize formula is a life-saving thing I mean 
formula is great. Formula is necessary. Uh, it's not formula, it's evil. But just as, you know, any life-saving measure that becomes monetized in an unregulated way, mm-hmm. really bad things happen. So yeah. right. in light of, you know, in light of this U.S. Um, position, really strong pro-formula ma- manufacturing position that just seems unnecessary, I thought it would make sense to maybe kind of go back and revisit why why this is even an issue in the first place. Why mm-hmm. World Health, uh, the Global Health... Uh, the World Health Organization... Uh, why they're even talking about yeah. it, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I... Uh, the, the reason I was even pressing you about it is because I did not get a chance to read that article because I had already exhausted my number of <laughs> articles for the month. Because That's that... I... Just to show you... Uh, how terrible willpower I have that is not even the 12th and I had read all the articles that I had for the month so um, but because to me what I was so confused by was what possible explanation except for um, blind greed would anybody Mm -hmm. give to that because I really not (laughs) <laughs> as the answer. Yeah. And, and and as well we're about to begin on on the journey that that will elucidate how my confusion in this moment which is because I am just so absolutely shocked yeah. because over the past four, over 40 years Nestle but the several other companies the I think Bristol Myers but Abbott Laboratories yeah um are, have been what in academic terms like in fact studied in advertising as what not to do um, up there with the tobacco industry as far as unintended consequences well not even unintended consequences like it just it just pernicious advertising yeah just with, unchecked you know marketing right. tactics well and, and yeah and that what's so interesting about why the World Health Organization, why their stance, they had to, they came out with a stance. And even today, it it really focuses on marketing, restricting or, or putting terms on the marketing of infant formula. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also... No, um, and that's, can I just make a point? That's... Uh, oh, of course. That is how the rest of the world is is talking about it and even now is like this is really like it's this is about marketing and then the u.s is trying to characterize it as an access issue right which, like it's a rights like a civil rights thing yeah which it no it is not no. an access issue the access no. problem with formula is not being able to pay for it because it costs too much or not having clean water to you know to mix it up right with. so that's the real access issue. It's not like that. Not letting, allowing, um, you know, a company to send home formula, you know, with a new parents from the hospital. That's not that, an access issue. So, you know, a lot of the thing, I, almost everything that we talk about, is the fact that when we're talking about marketing or we're talking about regulations and everything else, is that you know, if Anyone left to their own devices, own devices unchecked, 
I mean, and I don't know if I'm just cynical or have a black heart or, or listen to too much goth, but you have to mm-hmm. anticipate what's the very worst thing somebody could do in this situation. Well, yeah. And I think there is a, a, a group of people that have don't stamp anybody's ambition you know let's not stamp out creativity by making all these silly rules like mom and dad but here's the problem that when when you don't impose regulations there are unintended consequences that can impact people in ways that absolutely destroys lives that that in no way can be put back together again and um and I think the reason that we just keep talking about this again and again is because we are on a precipice of a moment where the gap between rich and poor is widening and we really have an opportunity in this chaos to determine what our character is going to be. And going forward, what we've observed over time, we have to say we have nothing against people making money, but we have to determine what we think is best for all of us, the entire world, everybody on the planet. Yep. You know, and if that means that you lose out on 300,000 of your 25 billion profit, <laughs> you, you're going to work through that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. Um, before I can I just give like a quick no. background of no. uh, of of infant formula? Yeah, it go came for it. about just I, I I just think this topic is really interesting, and I went on a J Store deep dive. Anybody <laughs> about J Store, the journal article database, um, like uh, development of the first commercial infant formula resulted from research in the mid 1800s. Um, it became, it, it grew like other companies started making this now. And then, and then there was the advertising. It was, this is better. This is the best. Mm-hmm. This is actually better nutrition. We, and you know, you're at the, you're at the point of, the rise of science, yeah. uh, of well, turn of the century science. You know, I thought this was an interesting thing. From the beginning in the nineteenth century, producers of infant foods recognized the importance of medical patronage mm-hmm. and courted the goodwill of medical practitioners. Oh yeah, because because the infant formula was sold without prescription. Uh, and companies started really aggressively marketing, marketing, and they were appealing to doctors and mothers to really get this industry going. Yeah. So that's where we're coming from. So that's happening, 1800s, going on through to where one of my friends right now is going to bring it to... <laughs> Well, can I say something before that? Like here, (laughs) like why it was so successful for it. Well, for several reasons. Um, The first of which is that breastfeeding is really hard (laughs) sometimes for some people. Um, Uh It's uh, it. There are a lot of hormones involved. 
there is uh, that time when your milk comes in, like for me, for example, when I lost my ever loving mind and (laughs) I, and, and so it's not easy. It hurts a lot sometimes. And so when you're marketing this thing and you're like, Hey, here's this stuff that you can give to your baby and you know what exactly what's in it. Like who knows what's coming out of your boobs, but we do know what's in it and we do know your baby needs this. Like they did, they did. Yeah. He was like, listen, it's a, uh, like they talk about how cow's milk is the closest to human milk. Which I don't know if it is. I would think it would be like chimpanzee milk. Right. Why would why would we assume cow? <laughs> like I'm gonna need to see your research which, on that, which guys. Then of course I was like, oh, the cattle industry's on it too. Right. <laughs> but um, but uh, wait. Oh God, you just said something. It's <sighs> like what? It, it was like it's a mystery of what's coming out of your oh, dirty oh. love pillows. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that those early ads, it was like wet nurse no more because that was the only other option right yeah yeah a a friend or a family member who was lactating you know well guy come on yeah don't don't rely on other women for support right buy this yeah buy it buy it it's easy it's so easy so um so if we i guess we can just sort of slide it on up from there to uh, around 1970 when by that time the success of uh, you know formula was you know, quite quite good there were about 14% of babies were breastfed uh, God, shut in up 1970. I didn't know it was that low in, uh, in like quote unquote developed countries so yeah. not not worldwide, obviously. I mean, I believe it because in, uh, most of my peers, I don't think, were breastfed. I certainly wasn't. Yeah, no. I mean, when we were when we were babies, breast like breastfeeding was. They were just cut like, this whole scandal thing was just sort of happening, and this lactivism kind of thing was just starting. Like when we were born, basically, almost like. Yeah, uh, you know it was sort of burgeoning, burgeoning then. But yeah, no, we well, most of us were not. <laughs> so yeah, Gina, uh, when you were talking about the early advertising of breast milk, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to bring back our loyal listeners to the parallels between that and the Sacklers, as far as Oxycontin oh, yeah. is concerned. Oh, yeah, I was and thinking how that he, the whole time that I was reading this. Sorry. Okay, so you were thinking about the. I was no, going to say I that it, this. Well, no, 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 I was going to say we we covered we were talking about previously pernicious advertising was that originally uh, the oldest the eldest Sackler brother got into the market and he sort of really helped to revolutionize the way that pharmaceuticals were sold. Because he would, and we'll see this again popping up um, uh, with uh, formula, which is he would go talk to the doctors, you know, get chummy with the doctors, leave Mm -hmm. samples, and, um, you know, leave pamphlets, make the pamphlets themselves. And so it's a way to sort of, 
even though this isn't necessarily a medicinal product, it it um, it sort of gives that doctor seal of approval. Right. Yep. It's like playing on. Well, look at the science. It's medical and science and authority. Right. And and very paternalistic, by the way. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Okay, oh, you know what? There was there was a quote uh, from an ad that back to these this article from like the early 1900s, and in the ad it was um, advice to mothers. Yeah. And <laughs> oh. talking about formula, there was a quote: "Men of the highest scientific attainments, oh, yada yada yada, have invented this for you." Well, yeah, yeah because. I mean, who better to understand that intrinsic bond um, of a mother whose entire body chemistry has changed to accommodate this new life, and you spend, you know, what is it, every three hours with this human life latched to your breast? Um, God, at least. Yeah. Are you yeah. the one who knows that baby, mm-hmm. or does some dude that is making up well i don't know powdered milk yeah like do who do you trust yourself or some dude in a suit who also passed out cigarettes in the hospitals whatever (laughs) it's gross it's really gross to think about it and you know it 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 it, i'm gonna say it it makes me mad Mm-mm. Oh no! Uh oh! Yes, it makes me feel anger. It makes me want to shut those guys up. Well, I don't, I'm not going to be the one to tone police you. <laughs> Thank so. you. I appreciate that. Well, I just think I think we have a lot to learn about from from men about our own bodies and how they work and what we're supposed to do with them. Yeah. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot right. to learn. Still. I mean, and thank God, I mean, we're only <laughs> months away from being entirely legislated. You know what? I'm not even. <laughs> oh, gosh. Here we go. This is the part. Uh-oh. This is the part where I no, get really overwhelmed. Here we go. Swampy yeah. sadness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or just got, don't let it get to you. I've got at least two hoofs in right oh, now. I mean, I see a Treyu and I recognize that I love him. <laughs> but the swamp. Oh, the swamp. She's calling to me. You know what? Come on. Oh, Falcor, Falcor's coming in. He's going to pick you up and fly you away to safety. Oh, I've, I've heard tales. I've, I've never seen Falcor with my eyes. That's much later <laughs> in the film. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay. But okay, so we let's get back. We're getting back yeah. to the seventies. Well, can we? Right? I guess. How about let's talk about um, since we're on that sort of marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trail. Maybe we can just talk about what that looked like uh, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So the marketing scheme basically is to create a need where none mm-hmm. exists. Right. 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 Uh, so. Yeah. So, you know, marketing uh, this white Western ideal to mm. uh, to developing countries. And so at the same time, as these countries are developing, right, urbanization is taking place in these countries. And it's like, 
if you want to be a part of this, then you need to quit doing that. And by that, I mean having a baby on your boob. Uh, because that's basically what peasants do, right? That's not right. what white people do. That's not what, like, you know, right. rich people Ooh, do. It, just, it reminds me how National Geographic has recently yeah. come out and apologized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For doing those, like, sort of primitive, you know, yes. skewed articles from the 70s or whatever. Yeah. Like, when Cezanne had said earlier about... Because, again, it's related to colonialism in general, mm-hmm. the white savior complex. And um, I saw this, this quote, and it, it was, Poor women long to move away from a rural to an urban way of life, yeah. which prodded them to abandon breastfeed, breastfeeding and in turn priving them for marketing. <laughs> And um, this was actually at the very same time as studies were being released that showed that breastfeeding was, in fact, much more helpful. Right. So, I, to me, I think, like, the the real tragedy of the situation, because this is still happening in these communities, that people that, that do not have the money for these products, they feel that they are ashamed of their poverty and and I can't speak to this as a mother but I like it, it, y'all could tell me if I'm speaking out of class but you know to want to do the best for your child like with the sacrifices that you would make and to feel ashamed like Oh, you know, my grandmother, when we lived in the country, she always had a child on her breast. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that peasants do, mm-hmm. you know, and all, you know, and, and that somebody made them feel that shame, yeah. to me, is, is criminal. Yeah. yeah. You know? You, you know what? You brought up something really interesting because I've actually felt shame on both sides. Like, yeah. when breastfeeding, if I needed to breastfeed, I'm out in public. Like, I just, like, I couldn't be that, that mom. I, that, I go to a bathroom stall oh, or something. Oh, God. You know? Like, the I'm dirtiest like, place in the world, you know? Right. To do the dirtiest act of feeding your child. Yeah. Or, I know. Or. A lot of, then, I mean, a lot of women feel that way. My, they can't do it in public. With, with my second, and I, he has a bottle, and then I think about people seeing that and being like, and judging oh, you, right? Formula. Yeah. Cool. Way to go. Yeah. So, well, I've like had so these conversations in, in my head it, it, because it's it all goes back to just, you know, I don't know, internalized misogyny. Would you, I mean, yes. would you say that it would almost be as as a woman nearly any decision that you make is going to be judged. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, Cause especially because it is such a, it's like, you know, such a female realm, you know, a wo- like a woman's realm. And I'm sure that like, how do we get in there? Right. We have to convince them that they don't know what they're talking about. You know, we have right. to convince them that, their bodies aren't good enough, what their body produces, despite the fact that this is what babies have been, you know, 
the eating right. since the beginning For of humanity. whatever years. Yeah, and like to assume, like to have that kind of hubris over nature, like it's just such a dude fucking things. Like, do you know? <laughs> honestly, I didn't even think about it, but there there isn't a better explanation other than misogyny because that uh, uh, to assume that what a, a woman would produce naturally could not be improved on by a man. Right. Like, right. surely we can do this better. I mean, this is however many, like, thousands of years of evolution, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. You know, yeah. we surely we can do this better. No. I yeah. mean, that's why you see, um, you know, when you're driving through the, you know, pastoral areas of Texas, you don't see calves. <laughs> with their mom (laughs) there's like all these people out there with bottles yeah because they're like look what's closest to cow's milk is uh donkey milk yeah and so we've got this formula and here's what's happening yeah you know why they wouldn't do that because it wouldn't be um uh, economically (laughs) good for them (laughs) right their cows would be sicker and anyway um, yeah. So, uh, along with that, convincing everybody, convincing mothers that breast milk wasn't as healthy, they also um, just, you know, they they basically just decreased a mother's confidence in her ability to con- breastfeed and uh, her, you know, and made breastfeeding seem like it's going to be a bra- really bad deal for you. Uh, because, um, as we know, breasts are primarily a sexual organ. <laughs> And right. so sure. why would you mar a perfectly good breast by swelling it up with milk and then letting something like suck on it and just mess it up? So they were like basically breast sag, like you were talking about in the National <laughs> Geographic, you know, yeah. that uh, they're talking about, you know, br- breast sag. You, you won't be beautiful anymore. You'll have breast sag. You won't be able to work because you'll have to stay home with your baby to breastfeed. Um this whole social status thing, only poor people do it, and then the racism factor, you know, white women don't breastfeed. And then the fear factor of, you know, what if it's not good enough? Well, and the other thing which um, uh, made me really sad as well is that, um, oh, this was from the the war on want, oh, yeah, which we haven't got into there yet, but I, I mean, it, it, it applies here, where um, when women felt fear pain or sadness their milk would then dry up as a result so when these aggressive campaigns would come into these developing countries and they would have you know healthcare professionals or people dressed as healthcare professionals yeah pretending to be Happy Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a nurse. Yeah, I mean I'm not I mean, really a nurse. <laughs> but it was Nestle. They they uh had like sales initiatives where they would dress women as nurses who would go to homes where they knew women had just had babies and they would leave free samples and tell them, you know, all the benefit again, they were not healthcare professionals. But the thing is is that and you guys would know more about this than I would, but, you know, there is, 
you know how how psychologically there is such a mind body connection and so they would undermine women's confidence in their own skills and as a mother and so when they were talking about you know not every woman can breastfeed and not everybody not every mother could can produce enough milk for their child and what if your child is undernourished or starving yeah. and so all of the all of these doubts and second thoughts because as as you know like you even women who adopt children their whole like their hormones change oh, yeah. and you know yeah. like genes kick in of like a this 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 entity this child must survive yeah it's the, it's the oxytocin cycle right that's what uh that's what feeds milk production i mean obviously there's other hormones involved but but one great way to disrupt the oxytocin cycle is to put a mother in a state of fear and doubt and also another way here's a little um a segue into another nefarious uh, practice by the um, formula manufacturing companies. This one in particular is Abbott Laboratories. They would actually um, give free architectural services to uh, um, hospitals that are building, you know, new wings for, um, no. yeah, for mothers and babies. So they oh, actually, no. guess, hey, guess what the floor plan was like? It was, here's the mothers over here, and then we have a nursery uh, far, far away. And yeah. so upon birth, that's, I mean, that's what established that whole thing of, like, babies taking, taken away from mother. Mother needs to rest, right? Mom oh, needs to rest. God. We'll bring the baby back to feed, right? In the meantime, they're far away. The nurses are resentful of having to cart the babies back and forth to the mothers who want to be with their babies, for the critical bonding period. And that's oh, the time, God. that closeness, that skin contact and that like, that is what initiates the uh, milk production yeah. cycle. So when the milk comes in at about, you know, three days, sometimes that, you know, it can be longer or it can be faster, but around three days after birth, it's like, if you haven't seen your baby because they've been keeping it in a nursery and feeding it, without you even knowing, mm. then why would you change it, right? And so, no, you're not going to develop that milk. And so that's something that happened. Uh, I don't know Ugh. how widespread that was, but that happened in the U.S. for sure. I don't know if they did that in, in developing countries. Um, that is so insane. I know, to, right? Like, come in and be like, we're going to build this wing and set it up. Like, Well, and they basically I mean, had a, a hand thought. in just this sort of standard of care. It wasn't evidence-based practice. It wasn't beneficial for mothers and babies and outcomes, health outcomes for mothers and babies. It was, they set up this, that, that, this whole practice of like, you know, you go visit the baby in the nursery far away from the, where the labor and delivery. I mean, not, I, I don't know how far, but you know, separate basically. Right. And, right. You know, there's, there wasn't root the, though. They, they moved from like the rooming in and they've gone back to, to that model now because they realize, you know. Oh yeah, no. I'm, but this yeah. was also this was also at the height of, um, you know, just the way that, uh, like architecture 
in casinos where there's no windows and there's a heavily patterned carpet. Sure, like that and, manipulative, yeah. Yeah, and, and, in, and like in, yeah, exactly. In supermarkets, the yeah. milk would be in the back corner because then you'd have to pry. Yeah. So it makes, it, it, it surprises me and none at all. Yeah. That, they were doing you know, this in hospitals. It's just so. Yeah. It's just so. It's just so gross, and it's so sad because, I mean, as a person who has experienced those first few days and how intense and how hectic it can be, but also how like rewarding it can be to just like, you know, nest down with a little newborn and get oh. that whole thing established. Like just the fact that they took that away from people is just that alone is just such a just a crime I mean really yeah. and honestly, no, for honestly sure. it goes into bigger social ills I'm going off on a tangent here so you can cut it off <laughs> if you want to but it goes no, off, go, it, go. It, it, it goes into that whole like you know how attachment parenting has become like a, a, a big thing again but like that is the those are that's the building blocks of attachment right there and like not just for a mother's brain but also I mean not just for the baby's brain, but also for the mother's brain and her ability to like bond and, you know, like, you know, so I, I can't, I don't know like the stats on this, but I can't imagine that like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety isn't exacerbated by being separated from your baby at birth. Right. And so that's going to affect also milk production, like some, it like one particular person. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think just in general, like, you know, making attachment harder, you extrapolate that, like, it's going to cause social ills. It's going to cause problems. It's going right. to. Okay. So uh, we were talking about the we were talking about uh, deceptive architecture. Um, did you, did we want to get into the first time that there that somebody. Somebody started to notice something backlash. Funny. The backlash. Right. Yeah. No. Well, just starting to notice that babies were showing yeah, some up. Some funny was going on. Yeah. Some yeah. funny was going on. I I was gonna. I was going to the uh, uh, the war on want uh, baby killer report. Yeah. Yeah. Is that's, that that's where I was headed? I Is think. That, it, yeah. Are you? Let's do so, that. So. Um, they had been noticing things going amiss all over the place, and they released a report, and it was a scandal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it it's I mean, it, it, who, not that it was a lie. Who released it? I can't remember. It the was guy's the. Name. Oh, I don't you remember don't the specific to, guy. You don't I, have to know. I, I just, it was an organization. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it was the war on want. Oh, the war on want was, um, or I think it maybe still is, a, an anti-poverty charity uh, based in London, and um, and I we actually everything that I have for what they noticed was actually things that we've already covered. Um, you know, things like uh, handing out pamphlets and samples to new mothers, companies hired girls and nurses uniforms. Um. There were there were places that um, that like kicked out uh, for the formula companies and 
so they would just wait outside the front doors and and uh, market to people who were coming out with babies. <laughs> or like in the Philippines, they would just walk walk through the neighborhood and uh, look for places that had um, like diapers hanging up on the oh, on the line. Mm. How rabid they were! So they they were the they were the first organization that really sort of exposed these. Um, like predatory advertising and yeah. um, and and it was in 1976 and I think you'll be absolutely shocked to hear that Nestle sued a German yeah. translator, which is weird to me. It was a tr- that that that's who they chose to sue, not the people who actually produced the material, because then they would have to answer for the material, but yeah. the translator. Um, because apparently when it was published in Sweden, um, the title was Nestle Kills Babies, yeah. <laughs> which I guess they found a bit aggressive. Well, I mean, the original uh, one is was called The Baby Killer, but I guess it didn't have Nestle directly in the name. So that's right. That's exactly right. And um, so at the time, Nestle won the suit, but with the mm-hmm. caveat that it modified its publicity methods fundamentally. And also at the time, Time magazine declared it as a moral victory for consumers. Even though they lost the case. Yeah, which I mean... Oh, oh, because because Nestle did have... See that they had to do some sort of accountability. Yeah, they, no, no, Nestle no. didn't do shit. Yeah. The what the moral victory was that even though the judge was like, yeah, okay, the language was a bit harsh. We agree. The judge also said, you need to check you yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, you gotta change because uh, right. babies are dying. Yeah, and but so and that's the other. So that. That, I think, is probably the cue where we can go into the unintended consequences that Nestle was fully aware of. Right, yeah. Um, what, what could go wrong with, um, and I'm, gonna, I'm just posing this question to you guys. So, um, if you live in uh, the developing world and you don't have much money and um, you... Uh, you don't have a ton of resources. Um, you don't have the best plumbing. <laughs> or any. Or any um, plumbing. Yeah. Or any running water. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and maybe, for example, like the liter- literacy rate is very high. So maybe even on the container, if it says something about breast is best, you had a woman dressed as a nurse that told you that, you know, this is that magic powder that's going to make your baby strong and live forever. Right. Yeah. So, um, so also maybe you can't read, uh, the verbiage about how important it is to get the ratios correct on how right. much formula powder to water. You, you don't right. Wanna, Be- you don't want to make it last longer. Yeah. Right. Because if you're earning $7 a week, exactly. Um, and again, literacy uh, isn't that high where you're from. Um, and you don't realize that adding more water to the product in order to extend its life 
actually makes it more difficult for your baby to absorb it. Um, or just doesn't provide enough caloric intake. Absolutely not. And the whole time, um, the better product was actually on your chest the entire time. <laughs> Except you were actively like prevented from actually accessing that magical power. Because everybody that you trust that's presented themselves to you as in some way a medical professional or your auntie or your grandmother was told by a medical professional that you should. So who are you going to be? Who, who You're not going to be the one to shamefully breastfeed when, you know. There's something better out there. Right. So anyway, um, if if y'all want to go ahead and elucidate what actually happened. Um, so babies, uh, babies started, uh, showing up in oh. clinics with a condition that they called marasmus, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a name for it, but really it's just starvation because, oh, but that's what they call it when... <laughs> When uh, babies start stop gaining weight and start losing weight, and they get that sort of large head, oh, shriveled oh, up, shriveled oh. up old man body look. Oh. Um, so uh, doctors were t- started to take notice that this was happening, and it was happening with babies who were being formula fed because, as we said, um, formula is very expensive. Some of these, some of these uh, homes didn't have um, running water at all, so the water was hard to come by. The formula was hard to, and clean water also hard to come by. The formula was hard, d- difficult to afford. That sometimes, like you know, it costs more than fifty percent of their income, and so, um, so yeah, babies starved basically. So they would well, be malnourished, and then they would ver- eventually develop uh you know diarrhea and become you know they get sick they develop diarrhea and they be, they would become dehydrated and they would die millions of babies all right all right so let's go back so this the the baby killer report happened nestle nestle sued and now yeah Right. And so the next one is that because the, you know, 1976 people were, uh, it, it, the, the publicity from that event, uh, from that lawsuit made people aware. I mean, they, they were aware from the pamphlet in the first place, but it was the coverage of the lawsuit that really like put it into the stratosphere. And in the United States in 1978, uh, Senator Ted Kennedy held Senate hearings in order to try to regulate the industry, certainly in the U.S. anyway. Um, yeah. And um, and he held hearings on the industry's unethical marketing practices, international meetings with the World Health Organization, UNICEF, and the International Baby Food Action Network followed. And then in 1981, and which there was a UN World Health Assembly. Right. 
the well the world yeah world health assembly that um well i just think it's interesting that the only country to uh oppose it was the united states right um and by it i mean Oh, what is the name of it? The International Code of Marketing Breast Milk Substitutes. So, it was adopted by a vote of 118 to 1. And the, the only US one was the, was the U.S.? Yep. Yep. Well, the, I th- yeah. thankfully, we've learned our lesson from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what, what were the resolutions of that? Okay. It was establishing that breast milk substitutes should be available when needed, but not be promoted. Right. It was it was all about, like, don't advertise with, you know, this baby in your ad of sending these mixed messages and that kind of thing. Um, basically being, like, trying to tell a... Uh, industry to don't aggressively market to women yeah um and that and then you know it requires self-regulation um you know there's countries have adopted certain laws to advocate this uh the u.s no no legal adoptions whatsoever in accordance with this there's no federal ones, yeah, but there's some some local one, like state. So, um, some of the things that they talked about, uh, the the who, um, yeah, the second best who, <laughs> they and this is in 1981. Uh, so, the regulation of consumer industries was and remains a threat to business. Um, well, obviously business would think that, um, but UN resolutions are soft law that have little direct effect yet often lead to hard national enforcement. So it, that's the, that's what's so tricky, especially the way that Swiss companies are run because they're not centralized. And the problem is, it's just very difficult to enforce any of these laws and like I think Nestle owns like over four hundred companies, so to yeah. to try to unilaterally get them to call them to account for the practices for all of these companies, and they're not centralized in one location. So, you know, it. I mean, if they were practicing in good faith, they would just because obviously people were outraged, or they're like, "We'll stop the boycott if you agree to these terms." That they were just. Like, yeah, sure, no problem, and then immediately went back and started doing the same thing. But so here the these were the codes that were set forth. Baby food companies may not promote products in hospitals, shops, or the general public, give free samples to mothers, give gifts to health workers or mothers, mm-hmm. give misleading information. The biggest one was explaining the costs of using formula um, rather than breast milk. Well, and also to, you know, the information provided to health workers was supposed to be objective, scientific, objective, and explain the benefits and superiority of breastfeeding. Um, 
which I saw a video of the, you know, CEO or whatever of Nestle and he's, and you know, every, almost everything you hear them say, um, like in official capacity is breast is best, mm-hmm. but blah, blah, yeah, blah, 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 immediately. Blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, they let's, they're like, let's just take care of this thing that I need to say. And then also yeah. say this other stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, what I love in Cezanne and I were talking about this earlier in the day is that at the time, back in the 81, Nestle's response was that their critics should focus doing on something to improve unsafe water supplies, which con- contributed to health problems associated with bottle feeding. So it's not their fault that these kids were dying. It was the fact that as if they didn't know that the water supplies were unreliable in the first place. Oh, but Oh, did it spark an idea in Nestle's brain when they went to privatize bottle and sell water. And, uh, glug, and when we we do, um, Nestle part two electric boogaloo, um, it's going the because we're, very obviously going to do a Flint episode. It's kind of like the Super Bowl of um, yeah. of our pod anyway. But Nestle's going to make a a a, reoccur- a a a a Steve Buscemi character actor role. <laughs> yeah. Just just your your favorite. Your favorite evil global company showing up where no one thought they would be just to cause some some chuckles and laughs and thwart the good guys. Yeah. What's so weird is that it's all based on, okay, in, in the market, companies vie for... Pro, uh, profits, blah blah blah. They're competing against something you can't manufacture as a company, right? You you can't sell it or that kind of thing. I, I'm trying to think of other pro- products that are set up to compete with hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, right? Well, I think, or maybe just natural resources. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is bo- I was okay, like, like bottled water. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say is that, you know, if you, if you were already pretty proud of yourself on improving on the efforts of woman's body, right? Why not go ahead and just challenge the efforts of God Himself? <laughs> and uh, that's where they headed. Mother Earth. But uh, yeah, so uh, so. Well, I mean, just here's an anecdotal data point. Um, When I had my first child in, oh my God, 2011. (laughs) I was afraid I was going to forget that. Um, The pediatrician pediatrician sent me home with like a little backpack with bottle and several formula samples in it. So that was on the hook well and the other thing that um you had alluded to earlier where you know women have to get back to work 
And there are, there are women who, you know, if the workplace is accommodating enough, they'll be able to pump at work and then, or, you know, be able to like save the milk in the fridge. And, you know, it, it's, it's still pretty tricky, but, um, we, uh, the U S is one of the only developed countries and the other countries that don't do this, but they do not provide any sort of, um, federal maternity leave, uh, support. And so a lot of women have to go back to work very, very soon because a lot of offices, they'll also don't provide much of maternity leave or it's at a reduced cost. So you, you know, you can't afford to take much time off. Yeah. So you can't even breastfeed if you wanted to, because then again, you would have to ask your boss, like, can I close my door and pump? And then, you know, and people make jokes about it and. Um, so it's not, I wonder, don't some, I don't, businesses, I, I feel like it's, that's kind of written into an employment standard nowadays, right? Yeah. You can't discriminate against breastfeed, like breast pumping. Yeah. There, I, I, yeah. What? I mean, I didn't, yes. I don't know if it's federal, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things like that where you also can't, um, fire somebody if they have a chronic illness. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, if you live in a right to work state, uh, please take a picture of the room that they, uh, have for you to pump in or the facilities that they provided for you. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll be flooded with pictures of absolutely nothing, (laughs) but yeah. Anyway, but which is to say, I mean, that it, it, it just goes to expose that there also is certainly this country is not nearly accommodating enough to women after they give birth because they are forced into choices about breastfeeding and or bottle feeding that they may not have wanted to make because they are forced to go back to work yeah. so soon. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's not depressing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Here we are again. Oh, (laughs) I did end up looking to see which milk was closest to human. Mm. And um, it it was cows and goats. And apparently camels isn't too far off. Mm. Really? Mm. Yeah. It's not not another primate. Not that there are going to be a lot of like milking. Of yeah, that's eggs. what I'm like. <laughs> like, how much primate milking? Are I mean, and genetic. I'm not saying realistically they're going to base it on you know. I, they, need an, they need an they need an ungulate that will just stand still. <laughs> yeah, I will honestly start a GoFundMe <laughs> if you will the go chimp milk. No, no, no. I want you to go Jane Goodall style and milk a gorilla in the mist. (laughs) It will need to be filmed. I'm not not saying (laughs) farm primates for milk. I'm just saying. I I don't want to farm them. I just want to watch you. Go up to a gorilla and start no. pulling on her nipples. No. <laughs> no. I, I and try to explain in sign language. Yeah. Yeah. Coco. R.I.P. Coco. 
Coco yeah. would totally. I think if you explained it nicely to Coco, she and she had the ability. I think she. Oh, she would be us. down. But again, Rest I just want to yeah. see you in in Uganda again using uh, rudimentary sign language <laughs> and trying to grab the nipples of what you believe to be a female gorilla. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so, so so for real, scientifically, there's been scientific studies on all kinds of mammalian milk, <laughs> and cow's milk is closest. I don't know. I don't know if we can assume that they have tested like other primate milk. Okay, I think they're talking about what's what's available. Right? What's okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, wouldn't it be insane if all this time it was a Tyrannosaurus Rex? <laughs> but we don't know. We're talking about milk you can get on a shelf at wherever yeah. part of the world you're in. Okay. And the animals that are amenable to being milked <laughs> right. are like Domestic. gorillas. Right. Well, yeah. But do you see my point? My yes, point I, is just I saying totally see your point. from a scientific, no, I, curious yeah. mind... Yes. What is the? Cl- I'm not saying we do anything without right. knowledge. Right. It's no, I get it. To I know. Yeah. No, no, and I, <laughs> I, I also appreciate again. No frontier unexplored. <laughs> okay. I mean, did you? Is there any, um, any takeaways? Any, any closing thoughts? Mm. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing. Just yeah. um you know, you know the next time you chomp into a crunch bar, that's <laughs> like mm-hmm. crunch bar. You've got some other things to think about. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no. uh, but anyway, again, as always, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Um we love all four of you from the depths of our hearts. <laughs> Each and every one of you that we can count on our fingers. Right. And who we probably know in real life. And <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, which I'm beginning to think you don't. But if you did, <laughs> um, there we are on Instagram. At Axopod. We are uh, on Twitter at Axopod. We are on the Facebooks at Axopod. Bye bye. 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 See you later. Bye later. Bye. Bye. Late.